Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this morning, this second Sunday after Christmas. The Gospel reading, Matthew 2, 13-23, especially these words. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel, weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it was eight days ago that we gathered here in God's house and celebrated Christmas. We gathered here in God's house and we heard that gospel reading appointed for Christmas Day from John chapter 1. We almost always focus on the incarnational verse, verse 14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Rightly so. God in the flesh for us and for our salvation. But there are other words in that prologue to John's Gospel. There are other words that we skip over all too quickly. John 1, beginning at verse 9. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The true light has come into the world, Jesus Christ. The true light, Jesus Christ, came to his own. And his own did not receive him. He came to his own. But people loved darkness more than they loved light. The true light, which enlightens every man, is ignored. Why? Because evil is real. And evil loves darkness. 
It's a very, very stark contrast when we read the first two chapters of Matthew's Gospel. Matthew teaches us the birth of Jesus. Praise be to God. Matthew teaches us the visit of the wise men, the magi, bringing their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And yet all Jerusalem is troubled. Why? Well, because of King Herod. King Herod is the king. And now someone wants to come and worship the newborn king? This can't be. Herod was king. A small king by human standards, but a king nonetheless. He called himself the king of the Jews, even though he technically wasn't a Jew. King Herod was in many ways a very popular political leader. The economy was good. The military presence was strong. There was a, an easy peace going on between the Jewish people and the Romans who were really in charge. Herod was in charge of many great building projects. Historically, Herod was a pretty good king, with one exception. Herod was evil to the core. Oh, all the outward political things looked good, but Herod was a very small man. He was paranoid. He was worried about losing his power. And so any threat, real or perceived, met with the sword. He killed his own wife. He killed his own sister. He killed three of his own sons. Why? They were a threat to his power. Caesar Augustus once said, it was safer to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. And so, when the wise men came and stirred up all of Jerusalem, Herod was stirred up as well. The thought of another king, the thought of sharing or losing his power was more than he could bear. Holding on to his political power, holding on to his prestige, was all that really mattered. It was his one true God. And so, when the wise men went back another way, Herod took matters into his own hands. Evil personified. The children 
in and around Bethlehem. We don't know how many. A couple of dozen, maybe. Slaughtered. For no other reason than that Herod loved being king. My friends, we see a stark contrast in our text between two kings. We have King Herod and we have King Jesus. King Herod is mighty and powerful. King Jesus has to have someone change his diapers. King Herod has amassed power and might and glory for himself. King Jesus has set aside his divine power and glory, taking up residence in newborn flesh. King Herod rules with an iron hand. King Jesus comes to bring peace. King Herod murders little babies. King Jesus came as a baby. My friends, we see a stark contrast. And we also see almost a confusing aspect. Why didn't God save the little babies? Why does Jesus, with mom and dad, under the cover of darkness, skedaddle off into Egypt? Why doesn't this little babe who holds all power in heaven and in earth in his tiny little hand, why doesn't he reach out and strike down King Herod? He could have. My friends, King Jesus came to defeat evil. He didn't run away to hide from battle. But the battle that Jesus came for was much bigger, a much bigger battle than doing battle against a tiny little king like Herod. Jesus came to do battle against all evil and against the one from whom all evil flows. Satan himself. My friends, it's pretty easy to look at God's Word and see how evil King Herod is. But I want you to ponder for a moment. If the people of our country had the opportunity to choose between King Herod and King Jesus, 
Who do you think they would choose? Ponder that for a moment. We call ourselves a Christian nation. And yet on any given Sunday, less than 10% of America is in a Christian church. We call ourselves a Christian nation. And yet even those who claim to be Christian, roughly 20%, are active members of the congregation. And active, by Pew Research polls, is three out of eight Sundays in church. We call ourselves a Christian nation. But what is it that is forming our thoughts, our ethics, our morals. How many people wouldn't choose the great economy? How many people wouldn't choose military stability? How many people would look past the uh, evil family and other indiscretions for the good of the nation. My friends, we don't have to ponder very long, do we? We know how things work in this country. We know how things work in this nation. We've been battling for quite some time now a worldwide pandemic. But it's not the pandemic you think. 43 million babies died in abortion in 2021. 43 million. 15 times the number of people that have died with or from coronavirus. Where is Rachel crying? Where is Rachel weeping? The economy's good. Well, maybe not as good as it was a couple of years ago, but it's still pretty good. Food on the shelves. Where is Rachel crying? Rachel isn't crying. Rachel is celebrating. Celebrating the death of babies. We see it every day. We have politicians on both sides of the aisle talking about how wonderful their life is now because they rejected the fruit of the womb that God had given them. If nothing else from our text, we should see that God loves little babies. Jesus became one. Where's the outcry? No. Today, the King Herods among us, we elect them to high office. 
We elect them to be mayors and councilmen and school board members. We elect them to governorships and state legislature. We elect them to Congress and the White House. We put them in position where they can make lifetime appointments to judiciary places where the sanctity of human life is at best an afterthought and at worst a joke. Where is Rachel crying? She's not. And what about us? Well, there's nothing we can do about it. How often don't the people of God not only stay away from the Word of God so that they're not formed and shaped by that Word of God, but how many times don't we throw our hands up and say, whatever will be, will be. Or, the sanctity of life is not that big of a deal. My friends, today, we come into God's house. And we have the stark reminder, even in this season of Christmas, that evil is real. It's as old as the Garden of Eden. Satan is the father of lies and the destroyer of souls. The baby Jesus came into this world to destroy Satan, to crush the serpent's head. God preserved him until the time was right, when the time had fully come. Jesus, who had placed himself under the law, the law which crushes us, the law which exposes our sin, especially today, our sin against life. And Jesus not only fulfilled it, but he gave up his life. He shed his holy, precious blood. First, at eight days old, as he was circumcised to fulfill the law. Just the first drops of blood until he would bleed from his hands and his feet and his side and his head, pouring out his lifeblood for our sin, for our apathy, for our lack of courage. My friends, Jesus came into this world to save sinners. That's you and me. Jesus came into this world to bring life and life to the full. Herod is a God of death. Jesus is a God of life. And the amazing thing about Jesus is the power of his word. The power of his word that can literally change the Herods among us and the Herods inside of us. Through the forgiveness of sins, life and salvation. My friends, today, we 
brothers and sisters in Christ can give thanks to God for the forgiveness of sins that he has won for us. We can give thanks to God for the life that he has given us. Thanks to our mothers for giving us birth today by the grace of God, with the power of the Holy Spirit that has been placed inside of us at our baptism. We can be strong voices for life in our church, in our communities, and in our world. My friends, we can pray for the Herods among us and pray for their conversion. We can pray for our country that we would get rid of this, this ghoulish obsession with death and be champions for life. We can demand medical treatments that, that do not buy and sell baby parts. How barbaric and ethical options when it comes to our treatments and our vaccines. My friends, if we do not speak up, who will? Today, we rejoice that God's forgiveness is for you and me. For all of the times we have been tongue-tied and lip-locked. For all of the times that we have been apathetic and indifferent. For all of the times that we have gotten to the point where the Herods among us they're not all that bad. For all of these sins and more, Christ has bled and died. My friends, God has given us life. Not only physical life, but He has given us new life in Jesus Christ through the forgiveness of sins. Now, as we live this new life in Christ, may we hunger and thirst for His Word, and may that Word literally transform us into courageous Christians who champion life. May God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, Keep our hearts, our minds, our lives in Christ Jesus.